Thank God for the blood. Amen. Turn the book of Psalms, chapter 10. We are talking about prayer. Amen. Hoping God to encourage us and strengthen us to seek His face that we might live. You know, many today are forced to ask themselves, why, when I know that I should pray, I still somehow don't pray? That's a question that people often ask themselves. And this question is simple, very simple question. And the answer is just as obvious and plain. But it's not always what the prayerless want to hear. You know, sadly, instead of being honest with ourselves, we often tend to gravitate toward excuses and clever justifications for our failures. And rather than bringing liberty when we do that, amen, we are brought, brought under greater bondage and deception. You know, as the Bible declares, an unchanging principle of repentance He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You know, if we're unable, amen, to look at ourselves, to be transparent, to be honest with ourselves and honest with God, we will never be liberated. We will never be liberated. Regardless of what you're talking about in the spiritual realm, or in regards to our moral obligation as Christians, if we are dishonest, if we refuse to face reality, then we're not going to be liberated. We must even receive the correction of the Holy Ghost. Now, at the root of all prayerlessness is unbelief. Amen? At the root of all prayerlessness is unbelief. But a kindred spiritual malady to unbelief is pride. Amen? Pride. When there's unbelief, there is always going to be pride. They are kindred attitudes of heart. And pride is merely the lack of humility and the lack of brokenness. Amen? And if you're going to be a spiritual man or a spiritual woman, you must be humble. There must be a spirit of humility and a spirit of brokenness or you're not going to be blessed by God. Reading here from Psalms chapter 10 and verse 4. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. You know, you read this verse and the question arises, is it, amen, that a wicked man is prayerless because he is wicked, or is a prayerless man prayerless because he is wicked? Amen? Is a wicked man wicked because he's prayerless, or is a prayerless man prayerless because he is wicked? Amen? It's sort of like the question, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? And we know according to the Scripture, amen, the chicken comes first. But we're going to see here as we examine this thought here this morning that the answer to this question is a little of both. Amen. A little of both. Now turn to the New Testament, to the book of James chapter 4. Starting in verse 6. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify ye hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he shall lift you up. We're not going to be long here this morning. A very basic but probing thought. Pride quenches the spirit of prayer. 
Pride quenches the spirit of prayer. Father, we do need you here this morning. We need your spirit. We need your word. We need the truth, Lord, contained in these verses and passages that we've read here today. Father, I pray that you would convict us and prick our conscience. Lord, I pray that we would be humbled and broken, Lord. I pray for a revelation of who you are, that we might know who we are, Lord God. That we would see our great need to seek your face. Lord God, that we might find you and we might be all that you've called us to be. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when we come to repentance and we're truly born of God, born of the Spirit, obviously, like the original disciples, we should have a keen desire to pray. Amen? You know, for someone to not have a desire to commune and fellowship with the God that supposedly saved them, that would be, I believe, a characteristic of a spurious conversion. Amen. As it's recorded in Luke's gospel, we have this record, amen, for our examination. In verse 1, it says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. You see, by observing the life, amen, the prayerful life of the Lord Jesus Christ, those disciples were convicted. And there was that desire that tapped in, amen, that example that they saw in him, the relationship that they saw that he had with his father that tapped into the life that they possessed and that desire to establish a deeper relationship with God. Amen. Any person that doesn't have such a desire and that desire is not driving them the desire to have a deeper relationship with God, such an individual cannot rightly be called a Christian. There is something wrong, something amiss, amen, when that desire has been quenched, amen, there should be, amen, that yearning to walk closely with the Father, amen. And there'll never be a place that will come where that desire shouldn't be, we shouldn't be, uh, you know, cognizant of that desire in our bosom. So there is a season, if you will, in the beginning of our Christianity, in the beginning of our pilgrimage, when it's understandable that the new believer must be taught and trained in the matter of prayer. Amen? Uh, However, afterwards, amen, when we move forward, God's intention is to establish the believer in his prayer life. Amen? Can you say amen to that? God's intention is to establish, amen, the believer in his prayer life, amen, whatever that may be for that individual at that given time, amen. We might not be able to say for any given individual, amen, it must be this amount of time. But we can say, as we've already discussed, there should be an early morning consecration. That's not the end, amen, just the beginning, but there should be a a daily time. Amen. There should be a pattern of communion and fellowship with God. Amen. And if we find ourselves prayerless, amen, if we're anything but new believers, one of the undeniable root problems is pride. This is an irrefutable absolute. For what could be more haughty than a man who cannot find a reason to seek God? Amen. You've got a lot of reasons to pray. Amen. And every one of us are conscious of those reasons. If I were to ask men and women to stand up here and poll you, why do you need to uh, pray, Brother Bob? And we could sit here all day if he would have the memory, amen, and the wherewith to recall all the issues, amen, that he needs to pray. We'd be here for the rest of the day. And likewise, amen, every single individual in this congregation. A man that knows he should pray, amen, and doesn't pray pray is like a man who is dying of thirst, admits it and refuses to drink from a fountain of living water. What could be more haughty? And what is one of the most fearful repercussions of pride? Isn't it what we read in our text? Amen. 
there where it says, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Oh, isn't that a fearful thing? For God to actually resist you and I. But you know, if we are harboring pride, if we are living in any degree of pride, then God is resisting us to that degree. That word resisteth, amen, it means to range oneself against or to oppose, literally to set oneself in battle ray against. Amen. I don't want God to set himself in battle array against me because I know I'm going to quickly, amen, and very decisively lose that battle. Amen. I don't want to be an enemy of God. But so it is if you fall into the spirit or sin of pride. Now, grace to pray is God, by His Spirit, helping, drawing, and influencing us to seek Him. You know, part of that is the Word of God. We hear the Word of God. We receive revelation that our moral obligation, our duty is to seek the Lord while He may be found. We read the Word of God. We understand, according to the revelation of God, that we're in great need. We need to have a relationship. We need to have fellowship with him. Amen. Grace and truth comes by the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith cometh by hearing. Amen. And hearing by the word of God. So by the word of God, amen, we receive grace because there's revelation. But you see, this is not only, this is not the only means of grace, but grace to pray is God by his spirit helping, drawing, influencing us to seek him. But pride quenches this grace. You see, we must realize the spirit and attitude which is most diametrically opposed to liberty and freedom in prayer, amen, and communion with God is the spirit and the attitude of pride. We cannot harbor pride and at the same time be prayerful. This is an impossibility. It is the ultimate contradiction. The very terms of pride and prayer conjures images completely contradictory one to another. When we think of pride, we see that pride stands tall. When we think of prayer, we think of prayer humbly kneels. Amen. These two concepts, amen, these two attitudes of heart are totally and completely contrary one to the other. We're either going to be proud or we're going to be prayerful. But we cannot be both. But we're going to be one or the other. We're either seeking God or by the pride of our countenance, we will not seek the Lord. Somebody say, amen. There's no in-between and we need to recognize that. You know, this is a thought that I recently was just mulling over. And I wrote down a few thoughts. And this is what, amen, God, I believe, gave me. The epitome of pride is never more keenly expressed than in prayerlessness. When we are prayerless, regardless of what we may assume, and we often assume a lot of things, but it doesn't matter what you think. Amen. When you're prayerless, then you are self-sufficient in the extreme. In this antinomian age, some amazingly complain that urging men to pray is legalism. However, true prayer, as it were, is not merely our spiritual duty, but the very life breath of our relationship with God. How can we claim to love a God we find it difficult to talk to? Those who in the exposing illumination of the holy character of God have come to know what and who they are apart from Christ. Those will run heart overflowing into the Master's presence. Amen. If you're not compelled to seek God, it's because you're blind. Amen. Listen to me. If you're not compelled to seek God, then there's a haughtiness, there's a pride, there's a, a, a self-sufficiency, there's a lofty self-image, and you do not see your need. 
You might be able to quote scripture, amen, that points out or that speaks of your need. You might be able most eloquently, amen, to talk about the need you have. But you don't believe one word of your own rhetoric if you're not seeking God. You see, the sad reality is this. The vicious cycle of pride and prayerlessness, amen, we're talking about the chicken and the egg. The chicken and the egg. The sad reality is this. The vicious cycle of pride and prayerlessness tends to spiritual blindness. This essentially robs the proud of the very thing that compels men to seek God. Namely, a divine revelation of God. And that divine revelation of God, in turn, provides self-exposure. You see, the only way to truly, to truly have self-discovery is to discover Jesus. Amen? You don't know who you are. You don't know what you're like. Your heart is deceitfully wicked apart from Christ. And if you don't know Jesus, you don't know up from down. If you don't have a current revelation, an accurate revelation of God, you don't know truth. And you especially don't know truth about yourself. The only way to truly comprehend what and who we are is to see God as He is. When the prophet Isaiah saw the Lord high and holy and lifted up, he lamented, Woe is me. For I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You may ask, wasn't Isaiah a prophet of God? Yes, he was. Amen. He's going to be even further commissioned in the very chapter, chapter 6, that we speak of. Oh, but how could God, amen, uh, commission and call a man that was unholy? You see, listen to me. We believe in holiness. We believe in living free from sin. But there is the revelation, amen, the knowledge, the understanding. There's nothing holy in and of ourselves. Any virtue I possess, any virtue you possess, any holiness, amen, that you and I walk in, any obedience, any Christ-likeness must be attributed to God and His grace. And the revelation of God's holiness carries with it. Amen. What Isaiah is saying here, I know what I am. Amen. By seeing Him, I know what I am without Him. Without Him. I am a man most miserable and undone without any ability to be what God has called me to be. I must believe. I must subject myself. I must yield to God. And then I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. But without this ongoing revelation, amen, and you're not going to live, as they say, in the smoke of yesterday's fire. You're not going to live in a revelation you got last week, last month, last year. That manna will breed worms if you try to stretch it past one day. You've got to have a revelation of God. Moment by moment. Or not only will it not help you, amen, it will be perverted and turn into something that stinks in the spirit. Amen. Without this ongoing revelation of God, we will tend to fall into smug indifference and spiritual self-sufficiency. Nobody escapes that. Nobody. I can sit up here and preach this. If I don't obey this, I'll fall into it tomorrow. I can know it in my intellect. There's no way to avoid it. You're either seeing God or you're in trouble. You're seeing God or you're in trouble. And yet without seeking God by faith, though we may cite the truth of such a revelation... We will not truly see ourselves as needy. You see, this is, amen, the, uh, the question. Which comes first? Is a, is a man a wicked man? Is he wicked, amen, because he doesn't pray? Or is the prayerless man, amen, or the wicked man prayerless because, amen, he's wicked? You see, this is the spiritual trap the prayerless fall into. Unconsciously fostering an inflated self-image, amen, a self-dependent haughtiness, which is nothing more than prayerlessness. 
Do you understand? You don't have to walk around and be boastful to be haughty. All you have to be, amen, to be haughty is to be prayerless. That's all you have to be. You, you, you don't have to go around and toot your own horn. You don't have to tell people I can stand on my own. Amen. To be haughty or to be proud. All you have to do is not seek God. And that's what you are. Proud. You see, unconsciously, not being even aware that this is what we're feeding into. Amen. This haughtiness. Thereby grieving the Spirit of God. Because God resisteth whom? He resisteth the proud. And so then we're lacking in grace. All the while wondering, where is the God of Abraham? Where is the God of the Bible? Amen. Why can't I overcome? Why, why do I have so little interest? Why am I bored with the thing? Why can't I, you know, rekindle the fire of my early, you know, walk with Jesus? Why is it that I'm stirred up at the camp meeting, but I lose the fire in the weeks following? I just can't seem to press in. God never seems to do anything anyway. Be careful! You're accusing God. And it's not God's fault. It's your fault. Christianity is really very simple. Amen? If you just really need God, if you just really seek, if you just will knock, you'll find He'll answer. Amen? And the need will be met. It's that simple. Amen? Remember, in this very same chapter in verse 2 it says you lust and you have not you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain you fight and you war yet you have not why you have not because you You see, this experience and the experience of the proud, among other, I mean, you know, of course, all, all the wicked, all sinners, all the unsaved are proud. But those who are prayerless and manifest their pride in this way, their entire experience sooner or later, their entire experience of spirituality is one of difficulty, confusion, and frustration. There's these desires, amen, and the wind blows this way, and you're pulled by one desire this way, and then the wind blows that way, and you're exploited by the enemy this way. You may even have some good intentions, some good desires, so you fight, amen, and you try to obtain, but you're trying to obtain in the strength of the flesh, amen, and then it's all over with, you're conscious, I don't have anything I have not. What's going on? And instead of believing what the Bible says, even the devil tempts you to point your finger at God Almighty. But God already told you why. Because you won't pray. That's the answer. You have not. Because you ask not. How simple could it be? Just say, you live like this because you won't pray. You don't have provision because you won't pray about it. You won't ask. You won't believe. Because of your pride, you won't see God. See, the roots of such an experience, according to verse 2, amen, in James chapter 4, is prayerlessness. prayerlessness. And our text reveals... One of the basic issues with prayerlessness is pride. See, Psalms 138 and 6 says, Though the Lord be nigh, or pardon me, though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar off. God only gives grace to the humble. And without grace, among many other things, amen, you and I are not going to pray, or at least we're not going to pray adequately and consistently without grace. 
But let's be honest. Amen. If there is prayerlessness and if there is pride, amen, then these things are sinful and they must be repented of. Amen. And pride doesn't just sneak up on someone who is spiritual. No, pride never manifests in the heart without carnality first being allowed in the mind. Pride in the heart produces so many subtle but damning and carnal tendencies that God is forced to be in opposition to such men. And this is where you find a good number or balance of people in the church that are living very marginally, living on the edge. You believe God for them. You're hoping, amen, they're going to overcome. They're going to press through. You don't know everything about their life, amen, but you know, you listen to the way they speak and out of the heart, amen, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and there's so much carnality, so much temporal thinking, amen, so much, you know, that of the flesh that is allowed and you hope to see people See people press through, amen, but such men sooner or later, they become weary, amen, with people being opposed to them. You know why the spiritual are opposed? When I say that, I don't mean they hate them, because God is always for someone to make it. But when God is opposed to someone, you see, if you're spiritual and you're with someone, and they say things that are unscriptural, if you really have the Holy Ghost, you know what the Holy Ghost will tell you to do? We'll oppose them. We'll say, that's not right, brother. The Bible says this. And so you offer correction. Which really, you're just an extension of God offering correction. Such men, though, begin to wonder, why is everybody always rebuking me? Why is everybody always correcting me? Everybody seems against me. They become the devil's little plaything. And they're taken around and around the block, blind, amen, to the schemes of the enemy. One of the leading marks of the proud, of a proud spirit is independence. And this is an independent generation where no one's going to tell me what to do. Amen. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I don't need you to teach me. I, I'm going to let the Holy Ghost teach. If you don't let someone full of the Holy Ghost teach you, amen, then you're not going to let God teach you. You know, Jesus was a man. Amen. He was God, but he was also man. That tells us a lot of things. There's a lot of theological implications to that. But you know, men that were going to be discipled when Jesus walked this earth, amen, they didn't just go off in the desert. Amen. They had to be discipled by Jesus, God in that human body. And don't think for one moment, that wasn't a warfare for them. Isn't this a son of the carpenter? To have to submit to a man. I can tell you, you're going to be discipled in this hour. You're going to have to come where Jesus is in his body on the earth. A man that will not submit to the church. Amen. A man that will not submit to God's human vessel on the earth is not submitting to Jesus. Don't be deceived. Amen. You see, this is a trap of the proud. They hate being corrected. If you hate being corrected, you are carnal and you're in great danger. And the longer you just put it off, the longer you hear that and you refuse to truly seek God for the answer. Amen. Listen to me. You are walking on dangerous, dangerous ground. And First Peter 5 and 5, amen, says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Now, that's not saying, you know, I should be subject to Luke. There's a pattern. Everybody needs to be subject to somebody. But there's, that doesn't mean wife, you're, you need to be subject to me. No, no. That doesn't mean that. You read in Ephesians 4, it says something similar to that. So that after this pattern, 
Amen. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands. Children, obey your parents. Servants, amen, submit to your masters. In this way, let us all be subject one to another in the fear of the Lord. That's what it's teaching, amen. But you see, listen, we, we have this same verse that we read out of James. You see how important this is. Be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Those who will not receive correction. You see, God's resisting that pride. And in His love and mercy, He is opposing you first with correction. Correction. He's correcting you by the Holy Ghost. He's correcting you by the Word of God. Amen. And He's correcting you when you fellowship with spiritual people whom God lives in. And you better hear what God is telling you. The only answer, listen to me, you don't have a revelation of Christ like you need to have. If you'll have a revelation of Christ like God will give you if you will seek Him, then you will understand and embrace the straight and the narrow way. That leads us to our next point. What's the answer to this awful cycle of pride and prayerlessness? We read in verses 7 and 8. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Oh, there's so much truth there. So much truth here in these two verses. You know, I told my children last week in devotions, I said, all of your life, every moment of your life, the Holy Ghost has been giving you the keys to overcome. All your life, day in, day out, by example, by precept, by teaching, you have been given the keys to overcome every single obstacle that you face in the Spirit. The issue is not whether you have the truth or not. The issue is whether you will believe God or not. And you will exercise. Listen to me. It's a dangerous thing to know the truth. Amen. And to ignore it. To, to know the truth, amen, and neglect it, you're going to grow, listen to me, a heart that's so resistant and so lacking in sensitivity to the Spirit, you had better wake up and when God tells you something, you better believe it! The first admonition really addresses, or this first admonition here, that's contained in these two verses, it, it addresses prayerlessness indirectly. You see, there must be a conscious moment in time where the prayerless decide enough is enough. If I don't, do not seek God, it's going to be my demise. If I do not press in and establish a prayer life, if I don't fight the good fight of faith, then I'm going to be overrun and destroyed. But this is not enough. With this realization, there must be a renewed submission to God, as we read there in verse 7, and a renewed commitment to His Word and His way. Because when you're prayerless, you can talk about you love the Word of God, and you can expose the sins of other people, and you may be able to see the false gospel that's preached in this hour, but in reality, there is no personal commitment to the vision of God. If you're not seeking God, you're not interested in God. To, as it were, pick up the sword again with a revived vision to fight and resist the enemy. Lots of people get worn down. Doing what? Fighting. Fighting every day, every moment. Striving, fighting against the enemy. Amen. There's going to be, listen to me, an unwavering war waged against your devotional life. Amen. Don't be amazed. Don't be shocked. Don't be alarmed at the fiery trial. Amen. Listen to me. This is going to be the way it is. But you can overcome. But you need to recognize there's a cost. Amen. Because there's a price. Or pardon me, there's a price to be paid. Because great is the reward. Great 
great is the reward. There's going to be that unwavering war to stand in the narrow way, to press in the whole of it. We could talk about prayer, reading the Bible, memorizing the street, going on the street, whatever it is. It's all incorporated in the straight and the narrow way. And for you to abide therein, the devil is going to try to flush you out by tearing down your resolve. When you get in that spirit, you just, you're worried maybe about appearances. But inwardly, you say, I'm tired. Tired of the fight. Just want to lay down and rest. But when you fall asleep, listen to me, the enemy take your head off. You see, you've got to stay awake. Let's not deceive ourselves. Unbelief and pride and prayerlessness. They must be thoroughly repented of. You have to look at it right. Amen. You have to say, this is wrong. Amen. I've laid down on Jesus. Amen. I've got to rise up and press in. Amen. Or I'm going to bring a reproach to the name of Christ. And ultimately, that should be your primary and pinnacle motivation. I talk to people sometimes. And you can tell it's more about them than it really is about Jesus. And there's something out of kilter, off-center about that. If ultimately it's not about Jesus, you're going to be exposed for having a very shallow view of spiritual things. And nobody can help you but Him. Nobody can help you but Him. I can't help, I can only point you to Him. Your mother and father can't help you. Amen. They can only point you to Him that can help you. No one can establish this in their heart apart from a supernatural revelation of God and submission to that revelation. And you're here this morning. Amen. I come to tell you, you can see God as He is if you want to. But if you're really not that interested, you're not going to. And if you don't get a revelation, you're going to perish. Amen. Thus, there must be a fresh consecration to seek God, coupled with genuine repentance. And such an attitude of genuine repentance won't quit just because it fails momentarily. Listen to me. You see, you don't fall into prayerlessness simply by failing to pray one day. And I'm not suggesting, amen, you have liberty not to pray. But you don't fall into prayerlessness that way. You fall into prayerlessness, amen, by refusing to fight, amen, and maintain and establish that prayer life. If you do fall, repent, get up. I'm going to be a man or woman of prayer. Rather than, well, I promised last week to pray, but I didn't have a hard time this week. and just fall right back into the same thing. You know what that reveals? A repentance that needs to be repented of. And it may surprise us, but it shouldn't. You know what the answer to prayerlessness is? To pray. That's what this verse teaches us. Oh, it's the mystical... There's got to be some key to this. It's above and beyond that only the mystics know. Yeah, the answer for not praying. You know what you need to do? Pray. Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh unto you. It's really rather simple. We just need to recognize our need. Amen. If we can do this, listen to me. We can do that by seeing the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And know truly in our heart, not just with our mouth. The same way that we can say Jesus is Lord with our mouth, but our heart can be very, very far away from Him. The same way that we can say, I have great need with our mouth, and our hearts say, I have need of nothing. I am rich. Amen. I have need of absolutely nothing. It's not what you say that proves what you believe, but what you do. And you see, when our heart truly sees, I cannot do this in and of myself. I cannot produce. I cannot be what God has called me to be. Amen. None of us are predisposed to be the new creature that God has called us to be. It's only the grace of God. The very fact that others have gone before us and others have been models of grace prove that if we will simply seek Him, He's no respecter of persons and what He's done for another, He will do for you and I. We have no excuse. What about pride? The next two verses addresses the issue of pride. Be afflicted 
and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Now I want you to notice the tone of this admonition is the tone of what? A command. And God commands us to humble ourselves because we can humble ourselves. You see, it's often said, or pardon me, I often say, amen, the seed of faith, the seat of faith, which when rightly exercised, meaning it has as its object God and His Word, that leads to true spirituality. That uh, seat, seat of faith is grounded in your will and not in your emotions. You see, so many people, I, I don't feel broken, so. You're about to die. Believe that. Instantly you'll be broken. How can one woman, a man, go to the doctor's office? Everything's sunshine and lollipops and you got terminal cancer. How's it changing? He believes what the doctor said. Now you've been told, many of it, all of us, really as a body, we've been told over and over for the last two months, we're in great trouble. Amen? We don't seek God. We don't establish prayer in this local assembly. We're in deep trouble. There should be more weeping. There should be more brokenness. There should be more. If nothing else, I'm not suggesting you just conjure. I'm saying, though, God, I'm in trouble. It's, it's more, more than just, you know, a weeping. It's, it's, it's an attitude of heart. Amen. That would come and, and stretch oneself out before God and say, I'm in trouble. God, I believe what you're telling me. And if I don't believe it as I should, then open my blinded eyes. But when we just, you know, leave out, same, fall right back into the same light, almost disinterested spirit, we're not really humbling ourselves. But God's going to humble me. He's trying to humble you. He's giving you the truth. But how are you, are you going to believe him or not? See, this is the key. You see, we should simply choose to obey God and be broken. How can I choose to be broken, someone asks. People wonder, how can I be afflicted? How can I mourn? How can I weep if I don't feel so? Jesus gave us the answer in Matthew chapter 21, verses 42 through 44. Speaking to the religious, did ye never read in the Scriptures... The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. But whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind into powder. Now you know the stone is Christ. And Christ is the Word of God. But I believe you can break it down a little more specifically here. Amen. I believe the specific stone for this uh, admonition to the Jews and to you and I is this truth right here. Amen. You have rejected the truth. You have rejected the Word of God. You've ignored. You've neglected the Word of God. The warning. Amen. And now if you don't hear the Word of God even what you seem it to have is going to be taken from you and given to someone who will hear it. And if you don't fall on that truth, if you don't don't receive that truth. If you don't believe what I'm telling you, you're going to be destroyed. If you don't fall on that truth and allow it to break you, then that same truth is going to be your judge. 
Listen to me. We need to hear what the Holy Ghost is saying to us. Because if we don't fall on this truth, woe be unto us. You see, he's essentially rebuking the Jewish leadership for rejecting and ignoring what God intended for them to receive, which was his ministry. Abram, the stone is Christ. Christ is the word. Jesus is basically telling them, you refuse to respond properly to the word of God, and it is stealing you. Your response is stealing your opportunity for life. It's not me. It's not Christ. Amen. It's nobody else's fault. It's your own fault. I'm trying to deliver you. I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to bless you. I'm trying to mature you in the things of God. But if you won't respond properly... Amen. You are shutting off the door of life. You're slamming the door in your own face. Likewise, prayerlessness is essentially to reject. You know, you, you think about it. If someone, if someone said, I don't have to read the Bible, would you think that's a right spirit? Could, could you think someone, I, I don't have to read the Bible and I'm going to make it anyway. Are you fellowship with I don't read the Bible. I don't read it. I don't need it. And then they turn around and start teaching people. Do you think that's bad? What do you think is more important? Now listen to me. I don't. The Word of God. But you don't separate Jesus, the living Word, from the red Word. And if we think it's bad that someone would neglect the red Word, what about someone who spurns fellowship with the living word. You know how proud you are and how proud I've been when I have neglected the living word and then turn around and try to say anything, anything spiritual. You know how haughty that is? We don't really know how haughty it is because it is. We'd all be screaming and wailing. You understand? You see, this, this is just... Barely peeling back the veneer of deception. Just, just barely, just pull back the corner of the deception that comes through prayerlessness. As I said earlier, pride and prayerlessness is a vicious cycle that robs us of the very revelation consistent with broken submission. The answer is to fall on the stone. To hear what God is saying to us and respond properly. And not just to respond once. You see, this is why the Holy Ghost is, you know, basically digging in right here because we've got to have this. It's time. It's, we have got to get the victory in this. Amen. Right now. It is essential, amen, that we not leave this place until victory has been established. And it's not just once. If you get, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about prayer. This isn't something, you should, you've got to live in this. You've got to live in this knowing that you must seek the Lord or perish. Whosoever shall exalt himself, shall be abased. He that shall humble himself shall be exalted. You see, we do have the ability to humble ourselves. You know, God's He always commands for us to rend the heart. Now, we're all I'm waiting for the Holy Ghost to fall. You flaky, charismatic. You, you flaky, confused, Gnostic. You, you let somebody lie to you. God told you, humble you, you rent your heart, you get the altar, you cry out to God. You do it and you can. But if you hear the warning over and over and over, and don't humble yourself, make a real effort to seek God, then something is going to happen very predictable. You're abasing yourself. Or pardon me, you're exalting yourself. You see, you better humble yourself. Because when it comes time to God, humble yourself. 
or humble you. It may be that he humbles you with judgment. We must foster a spirit of humility, a spirit of brokenness, and self-suspicion and self-loathing. Any man come after me, he must hate what? That's right. Hate his own life. That's what that is. I don't scare. You know, the greatest enemy, amen, between me and that kingdom is Brett Williams. And no, nothing else compares to him. He's the worst enemy I've got standing between me, amen, and the will of God. If we would do as King Josiah did, amen, when he was confronted with the word of God, then we would find grace, it says in Second Chronicles 34 and 27, because thine heart was tender. And thou didst humble thyself before God. When thou heardest these words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, and humblest thyself before me. No, he chose. He heard these words. They were words of reproof. They were words of correction. They were words of judgment. They were words of warning. He chose to humble himself and did his rend thy clothes and weep before me. I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. That's the answer. If we will simply hear what God is telling us and we will seriously even with our will, choose to hear what he's saying. Put that into practice. Reform our life according to his instruction. Then he will hear us. Amen. And we'll receive the revelation that we absolutely must have that will compel us and inspire us to seek the Lord while he may be found. Amen. Let's stand here this morning. Would you come into the altars? Would you humble yourself? Humble yourself before the Lord. Humble yourself before the Lord.
prayer is not really like a lot of other things in regards to good works. Prayer is the very essence of communication. Maybe we'd be better, although the Bible uses, obviously, the term prayer. But if you think of it just in the terms of communicating with God, if we don't commune with God, then we cannot say that we have a relationship with Him. And through preaching like this, we're not seeking to build your faith in prayer itself. Amen. But the object of prayer, which is to know, to commune with God, to have a right revelation, to be dependent upon Him. That's the object of prayer. And without that, you really can't have faith in God. You can't say that if you're not knowing God, communing with Him, and seeking to have a right understanding of Him, and being dependent upon Him, you you can't really say that you have a relationship. You can't really say that you are believing Him or believing what His Word teaches. Do we understand? Amen. And so it's essential, amen, that we hear this and we hear it aright. I recall Mr. Finney said that, uh, and I just paraphrase, whenever he felt himself growing cold or felt that he was somewhat backsliding, you know, lacking the power or lacking grace or lacking unction, that he would set aside, he would stop everything, set aside a, a few days of prayer and fasting until he was conscious that, uh, you know, he'd humbled himself and God had poured out his spirit afresh upon him. And, uh, you know, a lot of times during preaching like this, even the last few months, we've left church and some of my children would say something like, well, Daddy, uh, that means, you know, I shouldn't play ping pong or uh, I shouldn't laugh or, you know, these kind of ideas or you're not hearing rightly. That's That's not what the Holy Ghost is saying. Amen. Although he may tell you not to play baseball, if he tells you don't do it, don't do it. But there's a lot of things that in themselves are not wrong, but they're encroaching. We're allowing those things to encroach, and not only encroach, we allow those things to be, you know, a substitute to replace joy or to replace, you know, what should be really fulfilling us. What the Holy Ghost is telling us, we need to respond properly to the Word of God. And we need to have our lives prioritized rightly. Amen? And particularly, you know, we come to a prayer meeting. You come to seek God. And when God is telling you, you've got to humble yourself. Then we need to humble ourselves. We we need, there, there you know, God... I need you. I need, I need you. I need, I need to see. Oh God. These, these are things that we can constantly, we, all of us can make an hour of prayer on that. Right there. There, that should be, we don't need anything else to know. And, uh, we need to press in on this ground alone right there so that God can move in our midst. And you know, really, I wonder what the average, you know, the Christian life, the, the longevity, the seniority, if you will, if, if we were to add up every one's, you know, Christian life, how long they've been born again, what the average would be. Among the adults, it would be pretty high, you know, many, several years, I think. I don't think that, I think it would be well above five years, probably above ten years. I think the average. And if you, then you brought the children in, it would lower it some, but they have, they're, they're younger, but nevertheless, you know, when we, should be moving on to intercession. We're having to establish devotional lives. And, uh, you know, we, we can talk about revival. We can preach about revival. There can be no revival without intercession. That means, listen to me, if there's going to be revival, I promise you this, what's going to happen is somebody here, no one's going to have to preach about it. No one's going to have to tell you anything. You're going to say, I've got a burden for Gloucester. I want to pray for Gloucester. I want to pray for souls. And then as you press in, you're more and more overcome with it. And, and you will seek God for souls to be born again in Gloucester, Mississippi. Somebody will get a burden for illusions club. For those God-hating, blasphemous perverts out there. And start weeping and crying that God would deliver them from their sin. Amen. Somebody will get a burden for this pulpit. Somebody will get a burden for this church. 
Amen. And say, I'm going to separate some time. I'm going to, I don't have to tell any, nobody has to know about it. A pastor, can I have a key to come up to the church? Or it doesn't have to be here, but just that you would go seek God. Amen. Specifically, specifically for his spirit to be poured out here. When we get that kind of prayer going on, then we will have revival. Amen. But not until then. But you'll never have that kind of prayer until you first have an established devotional life. Amen. And young people, I can tell you something. The Holy Ghost is talking to you. I know that many of these older young men, you're coming into uh, testing ground, growing into manhood. Just as Brother Charlie is dealing with putting away those childish things and embracing the responsibility of being a spiritual man. Some of you are choking on that. In other words, it's too big, too deep, too much, amen, for you to grasp that you can do this and become this. Well, respond rightly to that revelation. Cast yourself upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Because these truths right here, listen to me, they're either going to harden you or they are going to break you. You better let them, you better fall on the rock and hear what the Holy Ghost is saying. See, when you was little bitty, you could, you know, cover up a lot of things, just being outwardly obedient or whatever. But as you grow, as you're growing older, amen, you're finding that carnality is coming, you know, bleeding through everything. And the only way that you're going to be spiritual or seem spiritual is to really be spiritual. And you're not going to become spiritual by accident. And no, you're not going to become spiritual by playing ping pong. That don't mean you can't play it. But you're going to, you're going to have to reap, or pardon me, sow into the kingdom to reap spiritual and eternal things. You're going to have to give yourself to this. Amen. For you to overcome. Amen. Here we have ears to hear. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Amen. You're seeking God. Continue to do so as we dismiss. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the truth. We pray, Lord, the seed of your word would fall on good ground, Father God. I believe you, Lord God. I believe you, Father, that we're going to hear, we're going to respond, Father. I thank you, Lord, for the truth that makes free. Father, I pray, give my brothers and sisters grace. Give every marriage grace. Give every family, every individual grace to seek your face that we might live. We ask it in Jesus' name. Let everybody say it, amen and amen. God bless you. Amen. You're dismissed. Amen. Why don't you pray, Brother for John and Brother Mick. tonight. Let's come back. Let's humble ourselves. Seek the Lord. I love you. God bless you. You're dismissed.